Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Influence Accelerator Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates. In each episode, I interview one of the financial service industry's top performers to learn their secrets to sustain success. These short interviews will get right to the heart of what each top advisor is doing to acquire more right fit clients. You'll be reminded, renewed, and inspired to take powerful action. You'll impact more lives and increase your income at the same time. Now, on to the show. If you ever doubted that hard work along with a competitive mindset doesn't pay off, my guest on today's show will lay that mistake and assumption to rest. To say that Bob Preticelli, 42 years in this business, is still at the top of his game would be an understatement. In the year 2000, Bob reached the million dollar round table's top of the table status. And in 2019, Bob became his company's council president, meaning he led his entire company of approximately 11,000 financial professionals in yearly production. And that's no small feat. Because he continues to produce results at high levels most advisors only dream about, he now sits on his company's advisory board of directors and this year is the chairman of that advisory board. Bob Petrocelli, founder of Petrocelli Financial Services, welcome to Top Advisor Podcast. It's great to be here, Bill, and uh, it's quite an honor. Thank well, you. Well, likewise, the honor's mine because your reputation precedes you. I can tell you that. Before we discuss some things that have brought you to the top of your game and, and kept you there for so many years, can you give us just a quick glimpse of your business, a little bit of context so uh, people listening will have a, a feel for where you're coming from? Of course. We basically have two businesses that I run. One is a employee benefit practice that is international in scope, and that kind of feeds the individual estate planning and financial advisory business that we have. New York Life is my, or Nylife Securities is my broker dealer. So all of our registered product work goes right through good old Nylife Securities. So that's basically how we're made up. We're small by design, always have been, and always will be. Very high volume, but we're incredibly efficient. We've always been way out ahead of the the curve on the technology side. So that's enabled us to keep our employee base small, production way high. You know, I love it when I hear someone maybe in my my age range, if you will, I think I'm probably a little older than you, but nonetheless, saying that that he or she keeps up with the technology because, you know, the days of of joking and saying, well, I don't even know how to turn on my computer. You know, those days are way, way long gone. We've got to stay in in tune with the technology. And that's allowed you to be efficient. My guess that equals to profitable as well. Yes. When we were preparing for this interview, you told me a short story of a situation. It kind of served as a pivotal point, a wake-up call early in your career. It made such an impression on you, in fact, that it still influences how you approach uh, your business today. I'd like you to share that with uh, everyone listening. Yeah, I was um, a, a new guy. I started with New York Life when I was 24. So this was maybe I was 25 and a half, 26 years old. We had a cold call that I had developed and it was a small to mid-sized ad agency. And when I got in front of the owner of the of the agency and his CFO, they ate my lunch. They knew more about the insurance business than I did. And obviously I didn't 
you know, I had a great opportunity that I blew because I wasn't as good a student of the game as I should have been. So what that did was that was really the kick in the pants, get going, Bob, to become a real student of the game. So I, I buckled down, re-upped my efforts to study my products and how they fit in. Just on a whim, I decided to give Ben Feldman a call. Ben is, you know, arguably the greatest insurance broker ever. And I gave him a call out of the clear blue sky and he, he picked up the phone and I asked him, like, what can I be doing? And he told me exactly that. He goes, know the rate book inside and out, know how your products apply to various situations. If you want to be in the business market, know how it applies to, you know, business owners. And then what I did was I bought his book and I read that book, I mean, over and over and over again to where it almost actually the binding did fall apart eventually. <laughs> but it, that was really the light bulb moment for me. Young Bob Petroselli, for sure. Well, you know, it could have intimidated others and they might have left the business. A lot of people who start this business quit like every day, every week for the first few years, but it sounded like you double down, which is great and everyone's better for it. So I know, and this probably uh, is playing a role too, you're, you're a competitive person, highly competitive person. You've achieved some success in baseball, tennis, you played division one basketball. Uh, I'm curious how this competitive part of you shows up in the business. You made a amazing point there and how easy it is for people to enter our business and then quit. And I'm just not a quitter. I, I never was. And you don't get to be recruited by Division I school and play Division I basketball if you're a quitter. I had an old coach who would say, when things were going tough, pull up your socks and get after it. Well, that's exactly what I do. I still do it every day. And when I talk to young people, I always tell them what I've done. And I just started doing this my second year in the business is that I said, I'm never going home with a no. Bill, I'm telling you, there were days where I stayed in my office until eight, nine o'clock at night, calling people just to get them to say yes to something because I wanted to go home with a yes. And I wanted to feel good about my job and what was coming down the pike. And it didn't matter what somebody said yes to. It could have been breakfast two months from now, but I, I got a yes and then I would go home. That's really... The competitive nature right. is what kept me going. Well, competitive with yourself. Oh, yeah. It's like, it, I'm saying it's like doing a shoot around and, and you're not going to leave until you, you, until you make a shot. You're gonna, not going to end on a missed shot. Right. You, you want to end on a swish. So <laughs> we're going to venture just for a minute here into an area I don't go into very often, which is cold calling. In fact, in my live presentations, I often say that cold calls are God's punishment for failure to get enough referrals. And started your career making cold calls like so many people do. This is back when people actually answered the phone. Now, good luck getting someone to answer the phone at all. I remember you telling me that that some of about four, maybe of your largest clients actually came to you when you were making cold calls. One of those has actually earned you millions in commission. I'm bragging for you. I know it's not you bragging. Did I have that right? I mean, still some of your biggest clients came from cold calls. And, and I guess the follow-up to that is how long did you do that? And, and what made you stop if you have stopped? Well, I started cold calling. I found a, through a couple of different channels, I found this fellow who was kind of like in my stage of the career. 
he was like a second removed family friend and he was a big general agent. And he said, he goes, look, I'm going to teach you how to cold call. You'll set up the appointments. I'll go and do all the selling and you'll sit over my right shoulder and you'll learn. And he goes, and eventually you won't need me anymore. So he taught me how to cold call. And, you know, after doing that with for two years with him, I got really good at it. Didn't need him to do the product stuff anymore because I learned. Mm-hmm. Just started doing it for myself. And I, I cold called on my own for about five or six years. And then I, my practice grew by so much where we couldn't service the business and have me cold calling a couple hours a day. I hired telemarketers. And mm-hmm. I had three over my career. I had three of them. They were long-term guys. I treated them really well. I paid them well. I fed them and all that stuff and uh, gave them a high five when we had a big one. It was just, that was my way of, of getting in the employee benefits business. I started hitting the phones and being ready to call at seven o'clock in the morning because I figured that, you know, the guys who answered and the women who answered the phone were the ones who owned the companies and they were there early morning. I got to my office and was ready to start hitting the phones at 7 a.m. And then after a while, I didn't need to be doing it. I'm still really good at it. And when I help young people with their cold calling, I can still whip it out. But I did have one in particular that we're still working with. It's amazing. In 1999, I went to see a small 30-person consulting business on a cold call. Had a great meeting with the woman who was the chief cook and bottle washer, did everything there for the the owners. And I could never reconnect with her. And six months later, I got a call from the one of the two owners' sister who was running the employee benefits and the property casualty insurance out of her home in Michigan. She said, Yeah, Liz said that you were a great guy to talk to and you really knew your stuff. And she, you know, we talked about her dog that was barking in the background and her baby that was, was wanting attention and stuff like that. And anyway, she asked me a softball question. I answered it and she thanked me after 20 minutes. And then two year, two weeks later, she called me back with another real easy question. And we talked for another 20 minutes about just stuff. Hmm. And so at the end, I, I asked her, I said, I'm really happy that you call me, but why are you calling me? and not your broker with these questions. And she goes, my broker's an asshole. (laughs) She goes, I I ask him a question and he calls my brother back with the answer. And I was like, oh, that's not good. I said, look, you can call me anytime you want. You know, it was pleasure talking to you. You're a lovely person. Hmm. Two minutes later, she calls me back. She goes, can you be my broker? And I said, yeah, of course. I became their broker right then and there. And then they went on this amazing rocket shot where they went from 30 employees. Today, they have over 6,000 employees. Wow. The two owners are billionaires, and we do all the estate planning work for the extended families and a lot mm-hmm. of the executives. And we handled all the benefits for a long, long time. And yeah, so it's been multiple millions all from one cold call. I would add in being a gentleman and, and helping someone out and just being there to help people could say you're lucky and luck is opportunity meeting preparedness. You created the opportunity you were prepared. So that's, that's really cool. So, you know, that I, my main expertise has been helping financial professionals for years grow through referrals, through introductions. And when we were 
preparing for this this interview, you, you really made me laugh. I, I and even I have to say cringe a little bit because you told me that you were oh for forty two years in yep. asking for referrals. So not just oh for forty two, but oh for forty two years, and yet you do get referrals from your clients from centers of influence. It makes me think. All right, you can hit the fastball, you can you can cold call, but you can't hit the knuckleball. <laughs> I'm curious. Tell me. Do you have any any thoughts as to why you never could get good at the asking part? What's going on? Bill, I was captivated by your presentation at New York Life's Nautilus Group a few years ago. Mm-hmm. As God is my witness, I tried. And for whatever reason, I have no problem getting a multi-million dollar premium check. But when it comes to getting a referral right then and there, I just, nobody ever opens up the address book and just gives it to me. We get a lot of people call in, as you had had said, we get a lot of call-ins and people will say, oh, John Smith recommended that we give you a call. I get this a lot. They say that you're not like other insurance brokers. Mm. And I I think that's a compliment. I'm not quite sure. Mm. I get a lot of those. Well, and and that counts, by the way. Unsolicited referrals, introductions, to me, that's a barometer of one's referability. So clearly you, your team, highly referable. In fact, I want to talk a little more about that. I want to talk about some of the things you're doing to get referrals, introductions from clients, from accountants, attorneys, uh, even other financial professionals. I know that you get some. But before we get there, let's take a quick pause for a word from our great sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. Proudmouth. Tired of chasing potential clients? We help you spend less time selling and more time advising by amplifying your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more. Be your own loud. By the way, I offer listeners of Top Advisor Podcast quite a few free resources, all geared to help you multiply your best clients. So just go to referralcoach.com forward slash resources. That's referralcoach.com forward slash resources. That's also in the show notes. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our weekly tips. We're always sharing best practices and we'll notify you of the newest podcast whenever it goes live. So again, with me today is Bob Preciselli, the founder of Preciselli Financial Services, I want to turn our attention to the sources of your growth, namely referrals from accountants, attorneys, other advisors and agents, and and some unsolicited from your clients. So let's start with accountants and attorneys, because I know that many, many advisors and agents struggle with creating productive relationships with accountants and attorneys. We know those folks tend to be pretty risk adverse. We know they get hit up from a lot of people and uh, a lot of people struggle with that. So I'm, I'm curious how how you've been able to make that work. How have you been meeting accountants, attorneys? How do, what does it take for you to grow that relationship at, to the point where it's productive and they send people your way? Whenever I work with a, with a client, I try and get the name of their, their accountant, their mm-hmm. attorney, if it's someone who does either trust and estates work or they're familiar with the employee benefits landscape. And then I reach out to them and just say, look, I'm working with your client, John Smith, and I'd like to just run by you. I mean, I get 
the permission from the client first, of course. But yeah. I, I tell them, I just want to run by you some of the things that we're working on. I just want to be part of the team. This isn't Bob running the show. I just you know want to be part of the team. So they all appreciate that. And then what I found really with accountants and attorneys is that they never send you a referral until you give them referrals mm. first. It's like, there's the, the line in the sand and you send somebody their way. They then all of a sudden totally change their tune. We also do a lot of education type work with accountants and attorneys. I've found that a lot of them are really not familiar with how insurance works accountants for many years, they were like, oh, just buy cheap term insurance and that's all you ever need. Mm-hmm. But I've hel- actually helped New York Life create two products over my, my tenure. One was our New York Life's private placement product that came out in 2000. And then the other was this institutional contract that's available for the work site. That's really amazing contract. I found that accountants and attorneys really are not that familiar with how life insurance works and the ins and outs of it. And they wouldn't know section 7702 of the code if it hit them over the head. I try and provide some innovative ideas and show them what works for other clients and, and what may work for them. It's usually things that other insurance brokers are not bringing to the table. So that's how I get, get their attention and get them to refer me. I I, th- I think that's great. It's, it, it falls in line with what I've been teaching folks for a long time, and that is the first contact with the accountant, the attorney, whoever it might be, is, is in service to the client that you have in common, right? You're not there trying to build a referral relationship. You're there to, we have a client in common and George Smith and Laura Jones, and by us knowing each other, we can serve that person better. And, that, and that's a call they'll always take, isn't it? It's, it's uh, and they may even be curious, who is this guy that's talking to my client? And uh, <laughs> so I, keeping them in the loop is probably very refreshing, I would think to them. And then you're also thinking about how can you serve them? How can you educate them, right? Help them become more aware of what's going on out there. That's the second step, serve the client in common, serve them. And then you send them a referral and then the conversation starts to open up to that. Have you, have you found that it takes a long time to nurture these relationships with accountants, attorneys, or have you ever gotten referrals back pretty quickly? What's the time frame? Uh, uh, usually, usually there's a pretty good lag, but that's okay. You know, if you're actively at work, you're going to be, you're going to be the difference between a hunter and a trapper, right? I mean, the hunter is out there in the woods it's cold and they're trying to shoot one at, you know, one animal at a time versus a trapper who's been out and set lots of traps all over the place and goes and sits on the, on the front porch at the cabin and rocks. And then here's <laughs> bing, 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 got one, got one, got one. So yeah, that's what I try and do is just always at work, always spreading, providing ideas, spreading the word mm-hmm. and, by doing that, if you've got enough stuff in the mill, things will, things were always going to be percolating. So that's what I try and do. Yeah. Makes sense. So let's shift a little. Uh, you told me that you get a fair amount of work with other agents, advisors, joint work. What does that look like? How, how does that, how do you make that happen? How do you keep it happening and feeding you with, with good quality clients coming your way? 
Yeah, a couple of ways. You know, I've been in this national study group for 23 years now. Mm. And the all the producers in our study group have to be chairman's council producers or better with New York Life. Mm-hmm. So we've got 12 of us and everybody, you know, does different things, of course. Nobody does. It's really interesting. Nobody out of the 12 does exactly the same thing. So I get a lot of uh, a lot of them over the years have brought me into more complicated cases, usually on the employee benefits side slash trust and estate work for the the owners. Back in 2011, when I was New York Life's council vice president, and then 2019 when I was council president, you know I was up on the main stage sharing my my story, you know, in front of literally tens of thousands of New York Life agents and. Mm-hmm. You know, we get a lot of a lot of folks will around from around the country will reach out and say, hey, I've got a situation. Would you be kind enough to work on it with me? And I appreciate more than most the fact that helping the next generation up, because that was me. I was the, the mm-hmm. young guy who needed a, a leg up and I got it. I made the most of it. I have no problem sharing ideas for sure. What is it, the expression? Something of something is better than nothing of nothing. So sharing the work with someone else opens up a lot of doors sometimes, doesn't yeah. it? And it half helps. the bread truck, half the bread truck as opposed to a hundred percent of the loaf. Oh, I like that. Half the bread truck. That's good. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I, I haven't met a financial professional yet who doesn't like unsolicited referrals or introductions. I mean, what's better than an email or a phone call from someone raising their hand saying, I'm interested, as long as that prospect is in segment, right? As long as it fits our business, it's a good fit for our business. You know, what what do you think you're doing that prompts people to call you? What, how are you, what do you have in place? Any systems or just ways of being with your team that seems to generate these clients talking about you, spreading the good word? Yeah, me personally, I don't have a system. The woman who's run my office for 34 years has a system. She routinely is mining our thousands of clients and bringing ideas, you know, for me to reach out and talk to them. So I always, Bill, I always have a full sheet of of people to call every day. So, which is great. I wish I had more referrals if if I could you know, memorize radical relevance by Bill Cates, <laughs> I would, I would probably be able, it would probably be a lot easier on me right now. That's, that's the way the business works. I've, I'm not the typical guy. I've never written down my weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly plan. I just mm. never have done that. It, it's in my head. Um, and I know exactly where I got to be every day, every week, every month. Mm-hmm. But I just never have written it down. It just, and I remember things. I don't know how else to say it, but I just, <laughs> I just remember things. Well, let, let, let's go back to this woman that you've had for all these years who does have a process. And then you said you always have people to call. What, what does that look like? What is she doing? How is she uh, supporting your effort for client acquisition? Yeah, it, it, Maria is, is really just the ultimate professional. She's a, a real self-starter, always has been. She started with me right out of high school at 17. I had her two sisters, one after another, (laughs) right out of high school as well. She's absolutely the best. 
she's always been really great at picking out opportunities on the employee benefits side. If there's a hole or a renewal coming up where there's an opportunity, she's always got it in front of me. If there's one of our Right now, I'm I'm really handling just the A's, you know, our A clients. And mm-hmm. I've got a fellow who handles the B's and C's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I work with him quite a bit. And it's done very, very well over the last five years. And he's a young guy. So it, it's good. I mean, a lot of times people look at me and go, oh, you know, Bob, you're going to be retiring soon. And anybody who knows me really well knows I am never retiring. I'm, <laughs> I, my bias is as soon as they made my dad retire from his job at the ad, he was an ad uh, an ad worked for a big ad agency. He went straight downhill. I'm never I'm never hanging up the cleats. I'm always going to be working. Maria keeps me. She keeps great ideas in front of me on a on a weekly basis. She's always picking out, you know, really great opportunities for us to reach out to people and they've paid off. I mean, Hmm. you you just, the opportunities are there. I'm a big talk on the phone guy. I'm not a, I don't like to do my prospecting through email. Mm -hmm. We've made the most out of Zoom calls. Zoom is, was kind of on the tough side to start with, but we've got, we've got the hang of it now. It's really been great. I can hardly wait for the day I get to go back into my downtown Manhattan office and and go and see my clients in person. I mean, that's going to make me a very happy guy. Yeah. And there's no substitute for that. And people are getting used to the Zoom. In some cases, it it is easier, more convenient. I know my last review with my advisor, I didn't feel 100%, but I didn't want to miss my review. I just said, Aaron, can we do it on Zoom? He said, sure. And, you know, it, it got it done. So. It sounds like that Maria is almost partner-like. Maybe she's not technically a partner in the business, but she cares about the business, cares about you, cares about the clients. So she has her eyes and ears open for those opportunities and finding employees like that. Or it's just, it's rare and wonderful. And no wonder you've kept her for that long. You better hope she doesn't retire anytime soon too, right? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, and, and you have to also put in there that she's incredibly trustworthy. We all hear the, the the stories about the employees who stole from the boss and all that stuff. And she is the most honest person and she's like family to us That's for sure. Great. And that goes both ways too. I've read your book. I'm still locked up, you know, where mm-hmm. I've got 42, I'm, I've got 42 years of not doing it the right way. <laughs> and and getting referrals like right then and there. So any pearls of wisdom that you can share with, with a veteran to make life, life more productive for me business-wise would be most, most appreciated. Well, my first thing to say, Bob, is you've been ex- extremely successful by any measure in this business. You've led your company in sales. And I know that technically you're only allowed to be the president of the council once, even if you leave the company again, you're there, you're up there, you're, you're playing at the highest level year after year. So first of all, you don't need my help. That's for sure. You're, you're getting referrals without asking. You've got these other sources. Clearly it's working. So I, I don't pretend to be able to teach you anything. And it's interesting because I, I do get that question from a lot of folks. I, I mean, 
when I used to have a booth at Million Dollar Roundtable, I've spoken main platform several times and lots of breakouts all over the, the world. And it's happened many times. Top of the table folks will stop by and go, oh, yeah, Kate's referrals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm terrible at this. And I go, wait a second, top of the table, you're doing well. You probably get a lot without asking. Oh, yeah, we get a lot, but I, I, I just don't ask. And so sometimes there's guilt there. Uh, a lot of folks that come to me for coaching, they say, yeah, we're doing well, but I just know there's so much more opportunity in front of me if I could just figure out how to be appropriately proactive. So I know I'm not going to get you asking all of a sudden <laughs> in, in one statement here, but let me give you a couple of thoughts. First of all, what's hurt a lot of people in this business is the way the referral and introduction process has typically been taught and that it's been all about the agent or the advisor. It's been language such as, let me tell you how I get paid. I get paid in two ways or I'm trying to build my business and I can really use your help. It's all about them when it really should be about the client and the value that you bring and paying it forward to other people. So the, the first thing that needs to happen is that that shift in perspective, first of all. The folks that I've found that are really good at being pro proactive for referrals, usually what's happened is there's been a switch inside the brain that's flipped from one side to the other. Uh, so I'll give you one example. This guy, Al Fox, who's actually recently a guest on, on uh, Top Advisor Podcast, who, who was like that. He was doing extremely well in this business had over 300 million of assets under management, but he was struggling asking for referrals until that switch inside his brain flipped to the other side. And he realized that he doesn't have to make it about him. This isn't the old school methodology. This is making it about the value, the value that other people perceive. And, and the fact he really knows he helps people and he's he, not someone he can sit in front of that he couldn't help in some way. So that's what made the biggest difference for him was that just that shift in awareness. Now he's got over a billion of assets under management. For, for everyone, it's usually that little switch has to flip. So for some, it's about that. For others, it's knowing the right way to ask. And the, the biggest mistake that people make when they do ask, and usually it gets them to stop because it doesn't work, is who do you know we can help? Is there anyone you can think of that should know about what I do or who else should know about what we do or some variation of throwing out the whole universe to them and saying, who else? And what happens is their, their brain, their mind's eye doesn't land on anybody. And so because of that, it fizzles and you know, look, lightning strikes every now and then occasionally somebody thinks of someone, but most of the time it doesn't work. And so then the agent, the advisor starts saying, well, that's not working. I, you know, I'll just go back to not worrying about it. The key, the bullseye in asking for introductions is asking for an introduction to someone you know they know. So from the minute you meet people, and, and you're doing this, Bob, every financial professional is doing this, talking about other people who are affected by the financial decisions they make, asking who else in your life, who else in your world have made financial decisions that you really respect, and when you get genuinely curious about your clients and you start to identify other people in their life, a couple of things happen. First of all, you get more context about them so you can actually help them better, right? The more context we have about our clients, the, the better we are as advisors for them. But it also starts to build a little bit of an inventory of possibility, an inventory of people we know, they know. One study I saw showed that 
is this is among affluent individuals that it was 83% of these people didn't like to be asked for referrals. However, 86% said they liked to make introductions. So one of the things we've done is we've shifted the language. You've, you've heard me use the word referrals a lot, but really when we're with a client or a center of influence or prospect, we want to use the word introductions because that has a different flavor, a different feel, a different connotation to a lot of people. And then we are looking for an introduction to a specific person. I'm taking notes. Good, please. <laughs> I mean, if I can help someone at your level, then what I know is that's going to make a big difference for you and, and all the people that you serve. It could be like, Bob, I know your sister and brother-in-law in the area. You've mentioned them a couple of times. She's an attorney and he's a physician. And you told me they're they're successful and busy. And whenever I hear successful and busy, I know they may not be taking the time to do this important work, to, to have the kind of conversations to make the, the most educated decisions they possibly can in this area. So assuming we can come up with an approach that feels comfortable, would you be willing to introduce me to them? I mean, we're going to make sure it feels good to you and them, but I, I, I would love to meet them if we can make that happen. And you're going to go, well, yeah, sure. or you might say, well, no, my brother-in-law's a jerk. You don't want to meet him. He knows it all. He thinks he knows it all, da, da, da. But just the act of bringing it up quite often will, will prime the pump and will get the conversation going, even if we don't continue it. And, and the worst thing that happens when we ask in that way is now our clients, in your case, our A clients, know that we're open for business. We're never too busy to see if we can be a resource for other folks. And that's in fact, how we back off. So if you say, no, no, my brother-in-law's a jerk. You didn't really want to know him. Then it's maybe down the road to some other folks. That's fine. I just wanted you to be aware of the fact I'm never too busy to see if I can be a resource for other people you care about. Fair enough. And they go, yep, fair enough. And anyone who's ever asked for referrals in the past, and this may have happened to you, where it doesn't happen on the spot, They're, they don't think of anyone for whatever reason, next time they talk to you or the time after that, they go, hey, Bob, I think I've got somebody for you. And so we know the worst thing that happens in asking in the right way is it plants the seed for down the road. So that's, that's my short course on how to ask, and I, I hope that helps a little bit. I have two, two more questions for you, some fairly quick ones here. First of all, I, I'd like you to think back over the last 12 months, give or take, what have you learned about this business or what have you learned about yourself? Meaning how has Bob Petricelli grown over the last year? The big thing for me has been to know that I can be effective and earn as much, if not more money working from my house mm -hmm. and I struggled at the beginning with that, not having people around, not being on the train, going into Manhattan, not being able to, you know, go see my clients in person at their company, having just all that just March of 2020, just boom, shut down. Being able to be a self-starter, I mean, a true self-starter every day, get up, as you can see, I've got a Peloton behind me, get up. Hit the, hit the Peloton, get a workout in, and then read the Wall Street Journal, and then get on the phones and start calling people. That's yeah. been the biggest thing that I didn't know I could do that, just being self-motivated 
that's what I learned most about myself. I never thought I could be effective this way, and I have been. That's probably the biggest takeaway from the last 12 months. When COVID hit, I was thinking, all right, what's, what's going to happen? Everybody's thinking what's going to happen. We don't know. And I saw some people kind of getting stuck and some people still doing pretty well. And so I look up this, this concept of survival of the fittest. And here's what I learned. And I think you're representative of that is a biologist will tell you in any given ecosystem, the organism that thrives is the one that's most flexible has the widest range of responses. It's not the strongest, it's not the fastest, it's the widest range of responses. So you were able to adjust luckily fast enough that you were able to continue thriving. And, and, and that's, I think, why you did so well and continue to do so well. And, and the last question I wanna ask is, you know, what are you optimistic about these days? What, what gives you optimism in terms of life, business, you name it? Well, business-wise, every time there's a tax law change, there are new opportunities, right? <laughs> True. So it's a, while all this has been going on this year, it's been a reason for me to pick up the phone and reach out to people. Hey, did you see blah, 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 you know, what is being proposed? I've stayed current. I've stayed on top of it. And it's given me a reason to reach out to people. If there is a tax law change, it's an opportunity. You know, there's always going to be room for what we do in, in a, in anybody's estate plan, financial plan. Yep. And I'm also encouraged personally, you know, I have just one son who has just actually, we just found out today, got an amazing job offer to be a director at a, at a major bank. He's already a director at one bank and he got an opportunity to go to another big bank and as a director and team leader a month and a half ago, he got engaged. Oh, wow. To, to an absolutely dream of a girl mm. from a great family. My son gets along great with her mom and dad and her brother and her sister, and things could not be better for my only child. Mm. That makes things, when your kids do well, everything in the world is better. Ah, no, now the no. only thing we need is that wedding and grandkids. That's the... <laughs> and you have a son, so the other guy can pay for it. You'll contribute. Well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's going to be plenty of checks for me to write. Oh, yeah, I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that. I, I've started a kind of a little reserve fund for my daughter. She's just 28, but uh, she's got a boyfriend. So I'm just pumping cash into that right and left right now just to make sure that we can cover everything when the time comes and I don't have to you know, do anything but write a check. So Bob Pretricelli, thank you for being on Top Advisor Podcast today. My pleasure. And this was a great learning experience for me and a real thrill to be on with you, Bill. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. For everyone listening, if you haven't already done so, please head over to referralcoach.com forward slash resources, sign up for our weekly tips and access a ton of free guides and scripts. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can certainly go ahead and like it or write a review on whatever platform you're on. We love that. We appreciate that. This is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. Only acting on those ideas will bring you the success you desire. Thanks for stopping by. This is Bill Cates, and you've been listening to the Top Advisor Podcast, sponsored by Proudmouth. Be sure to click the subscribe button so you don't miss the latest show. 
And feel free to share this and other episodes with your colleagues. And if you want to learn more about the work I do with other top advisors, just go to referralcoach.com.